Welcome to the Empirical Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Moore. Thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. And, of course, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a good iTunes rating. That really does help us a lot. And, of course, if you've already done that, then sharing the podcast is phenomenal. Thank you so much for everybody who's done that. And, of course, if you want to support the show with a couple bucks, you can donate at empiricalcycling.com slash donate. Uh, we are probably going to have no show notes, uh, but the website is empiricalcycling.com, of course. And, of course, if you have any coaching or, or consultation inquiries, uh, we are taking on new athletes. And if you want to consult, uh, our time is your time. We will answer any questions you want. We can look over your files, et cetera, et cetera. Shoot me an email, empiricalcycling at gmail.com. And of course, up on the Instagram, Empirical Cycling Weekend AMAs uh, in the Instagram stories. As of recording, they're probably winding down for this weekend, but check it out for next weekend. And that's also where we do uh, questions for uh, episodes. Um, we are not going to take any on this one because it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, <laughs> we're going to cover everything real quick, but uh, especially when we have guests, we're going to have a couple good ones coming up. So check that out there. Um, so today we have a, kind of a follow-up episode to the last one on TTE and why you probably can't hold your FTP for an hour. And while I was writing that episode, I was thinking to myself that you know there's, there's a 10-minute tips episode here that we should do as a follow-up. And you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, is FTP the metric? Does it really get overemphasized? Is it underemphasized sometimes? Like, like let's, let's discuss what we see happening out there because, um, you know, of course it depends, but what does it depend on? So, um, so Kyle, is FTP really the metric or is it overemphasized? Is it overtrained? Is it undertrained? Uh, what do you think is going on? <laughs> Well, I think for a certain type of person who is programming their own training, you they they may be overemphasizing FTP, but but that's because it does seem like it gets a lot of emphasis, and so when in doubt, they're like, well, more FTP can't hurt, right? Like if you're if you're worried about getting dropped at a at a race, for example, or you know you just you just upgraded and and you're worried about not finishing or or you know finishing with the main pack or whatever, like well seems like more FTP would help. And you're probably right. Like to a certain point, like doing more FTP is, is a good way to make sure you don't get dropped. But if that means that you're like only focusing on FTP training to the point that you're like two months into race season and go, Oh God, I haven't done any, I haven't done any work over FTP since last year or something. And then, then maybe, yeah, you are, you are doing too much because you've, you've, focused in so hard on don't want to get dropped don't want to get dropped here we go like more ftp which is understandable like it's it's pretty easy to program too because like we've said before two by 20 three by 10 three by 15 you know like these are pretty easy very simple straightforward workouts that you can kind of figure out how to do yourself and there's a pretty easy progression there where it doesn't take i don't know more than a handful of minutes to write out like that a progression of, of how you could how you could uh increase training load over time for ftp intervals so that may also be another reason is that it's it's relatively straightforward and and you feel like you did a good amount of work when you're like yeah last week i did two by 20 and this week i did three by 15 like yeah that feels great like i it feels like i'm actually doing good work you know yeah for sure and i think um you know, and I think it also gets complicated when you're training yourself to program everything in. Like, how much endurance riding should I be doing? How hard or easy should I be doing it? Is there a lower limit? Is there an upper limit? When do I do VO2 max? How much? How do I do the VO2 max? And like, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons that a lot of people do hire coaches, and you don't have to hire us, but it is not a bad idea, I think, overall. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it takes that decision-making away, and you can just show up, do the work, give feedback, which is critical, by the way, for everybody out there who's wondering if you should just do the work and, you know, figure, <laughs> oh, no, I'm just going to trust the process. Like, you have an input in the process. Anyway, um, so when you program all this stuff yourself, it can be really difficult to navigate what do I do, when do I do it, how much do I do, it, is this improving me is a big question. Um, and so, yeah, I think FTP kind of being a good default, I think, honestly, I think that's fine because let's understand that, um, you know, even though, you know, sometimes people do overemphasize FTP and sometimes people underemphasize it, um, it is 
necessary, but not sufficient for a good race performance. Like, I have a giant sprint. I also have a 200-watt FTP because I don't train it. And so I'm not going to get very far in a race. Um, and even if I can hold my FTP for a long time, I'm, I'm still not going to get very far in a race. Um, unless the race is a match sprint, in which case I have a really good shot at it. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> but I think it's, it's one of those things where... Um, you know, tr- too much training of FTP becomes super easy to do. And also I think, uh, we kind of touched on this in the last Wattstock episode, but you know, what is the mechanism of increasing FTP? I think we kind of touched on this, but we should probably rehash it a little bit. Right. So like, is just going out and doing two by 20 all the time? Is this good question? Is it good? I mean, you likely won't get worse just going out doing two by 20 all the time. So it's not, it's probably not making you a worse cyclist, <laughs> but um, is it good in, in this sort of absolute sense of like, is this going to help you get better if you just go out and do two by 20 all the time? Probably not, but it's certainly enough for you to maintain what you've got for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, I think that was one of our premises for the what's so special about 2x20 episode is that it's like a it's like a really good middle ground. Um, especially a lot of people who have a 35-45 minute TTE, uh, which is, of course, how long you can hold your FTP. Um, you know, it provides a sufficient stimulus. And sometimes, especially if you are right off the couch or you haven't done much, like whatever other training, uh, you get out and you start whacking FTP intervals, suddenly you're going to go, oh my God, my FTP is increasing. Um, that's pretty common until it gets to a certain point when it just won't anymore. And that's kind of what we discussed last episode. And so the mechanism of FTP improvement is really a combination of FTP training, VO2 max training, and endurance training. Like this is like a triangle here. And you, it, you know, it's, for, you know, to go with a really corny analogy, it's like a three-legged stool. (laughs) Like, you know, you can kind of balance it on two legs if you really want to, but you're going to have to be some kind of circus performer. Um, And so you really need all three legs to have a nice, stable foundation. And of course you need like, you know, it's, it's also like a pyramid, like the bigger the base of the pyramid, the higher you can build it. The same thing goes here. Uh, Of course, that's within your genetic ability to improve these types of things anyway. Um, with But VO2max being the ceiling, right? Because we can't ever have our FTP higher than 100% VO2max. Like it's physically <laughs> impossible, right? Yeah. And even getting, even within that, right? Yeah, getting even close to 100% is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen one instance where threshold is at 100% VO2max, and that's in people with um, uh, uh, heart failure. Um, it was in a, was in an Ed Coyle paper and I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Um, but you know, there's a lot of other papers that show things like fiber type and capillary density and stuff like that will raise FTP relative to VO2 max. And, um, and when you're just getting off the couch and especially in early phases of training, doing FTP training, it's basically the same as doing any other kind of training in terms of like either endurance or VO2 max or whatever. Uh, it can have the same effect to raise VO2 max to some degree and FTP itself. And so there's a couple things that we look at for FTP improvements um, over the long term. And you know, one of them is what's the absolute VO2 max and where is FTP relative to VO2 max? And you can't really get to your fullest potential without a ton of volume supporting all that too. Um, and so, so going out and just doing the same FTP efforts, it's, it's not going to be the driver of FTP. It's not like an intensity-based stimulus. It is a more of a duration-based stimulus, especially once you get more well-trained as opposed to something like, like lifting weights or VO2 max work. Like, does that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes sense. If you've listened to us harp on progressive overload of, of time spent in VO2 max, <laughs> yeah. um, as a, as opposed to just like, you know, uh, and we said that you could do this. You could go out and just do two by twenty all the time, and slowly ramp up the power at the two by twenty, and that that would would help 
increase your VO2 max, or not your VO2 max, your, your FTP for, for a certain extent, but it's not, maybe, you know, like it's, and I think that's what maybe what people get stuck doing is they're like, oh, if I just go two by 20 at, at 230 watts and then next week, 235, and then next <laughs> yeah. weekend, you know, like, yeah, uh, that like, uh. well, but yeah, no, that, that's, well, cause that requires, uh, and I think I've said this on the podcast a bunch. I think it requires somebody to be really, really in touch with where they feel their threshold is. Like Coach Katie is a really good example. Like she feels her threshold really well. Um, and so, you know, when she goes out and it's going up while she's training, um, you know, or I've got a couple other clients who have been riding for a long time. Some who even haven't even been riding that long, but they know exactly where their FTP is and they can just, you know, they can just tell when they're riding. And I think that's great. But unless you are able to do this, I do not recommend yeah, going yeah, out yeah, just yeah. raising your power target arbitrarily because at some point, like, it, you know, it's like it's like a pass-fail thing. If, like, if you can do 2 by 20 or 3 by 15 or whatever at at X watts, does that make X watts your threshold? Not necessarily. For sure, yeah. Especially if it, like, if you have to empty the tank, like we said this before, too. <laughs> yeah. if, you should not have to, you know, summon like demons inside of you in order to finish your two by 20 FTP work. Um, yeah. Don't so. go to the dark place. Don't summon the demons. Um, well, cause I think the most common thing that I discuss with my athletes and also that I see discussed on forums and people ask me questions about is like, when you go race like a criterium or like, uh, like, you know, the elite Nats road course is a really good example of, um, you know, or like any kind of hilly road course, it's going to be a lot of over threshold efforts, right? So if your threshold is, let's say 250 Watts and you're doing these efforts, you know, a couple minutes at like 300 Watts, the question becomes, what do you train now? Do you train to raise your threshold? Cause if your threshold's 280 instead of 250, now you're only doing 20 Watts over threshold. Now it's a much more sustainable effort. Or can you train yourself to ride more over threshold? Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> no, literally though. Um, well, excuse me. One of the one of the sh- answers here is that. Oh, excuse me. When you actually train to ride over threshold, you get a lot of improvements real quick, and then they stop. And so you have a couple components that add to this level of fitness. One is, of course, buffering capacity, um, you know, anaerobic capacity. Like how, how much, how long can you spend? How big is that anaerobic battery? Like your W prime or your FRC are good ways to measure this. Um, having good repeatability with a good aerobic base, that is also really, really necessary. And then at some point, you're going to tap it out and it, usually doesn't take that long. And now, of course, if you're thinking about the repeatability aspect of it, now you're doing a lot of endurance rides and that kind of stuff. And so, of course, you also need good metabolic fitness, which means you need good threshold. And that would be good TTE. We kind of talked about that last episode. But the thing is, like, it takes a long time to raise threshold and VO2 max. And it takes less time to raise anaerobic capacity, but it'll hit a limit. And of course it takes less time to raise your TTE type of endurance. But of course that also has a limit based on, you know, how much riding you're doing seems to be a a big factor in it. So, so it's a complicated question to answer and it's a little bit different for everybody. Does I mean, I I hope that makes sense. Are we getting somewhere or am I just (laughs) hopefully? Yeah. Like the, the, and unfortunately, you know, fortunately, unfortunately for training, there isn't like a one size fits all, which means the answer for you and your specific race is not necessarily the same as someone else's, but yeah, like FTP gets a lot of emphasis and a focus in training because it's effective, not because it's just hype. Although admittedly there, there, there's plenty of hype, <laughs> which is fine, right? Like, like people like 
quantitative ways to compare themselves to their friends, their enemies, their competitors, whomever. And FTP definitely provides that because you get a lot of, you know, immediate, you can immediately tell whether a number is higher or not, or whether you're making progress and people, you know, as much as cycling is very much a delayed gratification sport, having something like FTP where you can see it going up or you can see TTE going out, like, in almost real time, at least like week to week, you should be able to see some improvement here and there, hopefully. Um, so that, that may also be one of these reasons why people, people really are attracted to it because you get that immediate, much more immediate feedback than a lot of other things in cycling where you spend six months working up to your goal a race and then maybe it doesn't go that well, or maybe you get COVID two weeks before or something, right? Yeah, like you mechanical out in your first lap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, shit happens there's a very tangible luck component in all of cycling um yeah i mean i think that's, but luckily oh sorry go ahead i would say luckily for most of the part for for things like improving ftp or even your day-to-day training there there isn't as much tangible luck unless you get a, a stoplight <laughs> at the wrong time in the middle of an interval but still you know going out and doing intervals i also think and then doing well at them is also a good sort of more immediate feedback of, oh yeah, last week this was harder and now it's getting easier. Like I can feel myself getting fitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think when it comes to tracking your own fitness too, there's an important component of this as well. It's like, how are you measuring your fitness? Like there's a very tangible, um, component of teaching to the test or there can be. Um, and so like if you're doing something that has a lot of anaerobic capacity and that by that, I mean any kind of FTP test where you are riding over FTP, this kind of thing becomes teachable to the test. So like if you're doing like a 20 minute test or a two by eight minute or a one by eight minute for some reason, or even a a ramp test, (laughs) um, you can teach to the test super, super, super easily. Um, and you know, and seeing that kind of stuff improve can be gratifying, but it could also, it, you know, it can also indicate, or it does not necessarily have to indicate that your FTP has gone up, but of course it can. And the complexity within a test like that is that you need to be able to separate out what has improved. And so this, I think is, can be a little more difficult, but I think, um, honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things about my FTP tests, which by the way, um, I went back looking at the very first time I ever assigned one of those. So like late 2015, early 2016. And I was like, I think this works. <laughs> I think it does, <laughs> does what I think it does. Um, and so, yeah, so I think like, and also around FTP itself, I think that there is probably still a decent amount of confusion over the metric itself. And this can also lead to people just throwing their hands up and going, ah, I don't, I don't get it. Just whatever. Who cares? I don't, I don't ride at FTP in my crit anyway. Why, why do I need it? Yeah. You, sometimes you ride at FTP. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Here and there. Um, yeah. But I think some of that could be because, especially if you're new to cycling and you're just consuming all the stuff that's out there on training, it, it's, it's you miss a lot of the background and the history. Like, Oh, you just, you just get this introduction of, Oh, what's your FTP. You should do two by 20. Um, and you know, not as often do people get the, Oh, well, why is this important? Like right now I know it's important because everyone seems to be talking about it, but why, like, why are people talking about it? And the people talking about it may not know why it's important, right? <laughs> like it, it, it just started this, it's entered this, this popular culture of cycling so much that people take it for granted almost that this is like a, a, the thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny because it is necessary, but not sufficient of course, um, for pretty much all endurance based things because you know, like on, on the face of it, like FTP is such a huge metric, right? Like if your FTP is 400 Watts, you can hold 300 Watts longer than if your FTP is 200 watts. <laughs> it's it's right. pretty simple, but how long can you hold it? That's a big question. Um, and that's where things get complicated, unfortunately, and we've been trying to simplify um, 
probably to some degree of success, if not a large degree of success with the podcast. Um, but um, I think let's think about a couple things that kind of underlie, should you train your FTP? Should you emphasize it or should you not emphasize it? Um, one of the things that I hear a lot from people who race criteriums on the track, uh, you know, cyclocross, stuff like that. Um, it's something like I need to work on my sprint because I don't have a good enough sprint at the end of a race. And the first thing I do is I look at how hard was your sprint at the end of this race? Is it within a couple percent of your peak? Then if it, if the answer is yes, then all right, now, of course, we are going to emphasize that part of the training because now that's suddenly your limiter, but you don't get to the end of the race without having some kind of aerobic endurance to start with, right? And so if you're getting to the end of your races and you are at like, like, let's say me way back in the day, I had like a 15, 14, 1500 watt sprint fresh. And at the end of a race, I could probably crack a thousand. Not good. <laughs> really not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> A 30% reduction, not awesome. <laughs> not, no, not awesome. And so I didn't know this at the time. And, uh, you know, training, I th tra you know, training science to this degree was kind of in its infancy in a lot of ways because people were still figuring out stuff like, should you ride to heart rate or power for this, that, and the other thing? Um, should you keep the interval steady or should you start hard and let it fade? Should you do this? Should you do that? Um, there's a lot of questions around what works in what way and the, the phraseology around it gets weird too. Like, like you, you're, you know, if you're riding at like 5% over your FTP, you are pulling up your FTP. Like maybe, uh, not yeah. necessarily. If 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 VO two is the limiter, then yeah. But if, if you're yeah. improving in riding like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so I think the other thing to think about is like, when would you want to say, okay, my FTP is good enough, um, you know, for now at least. But you know, it's one of those things where we always are thinking about improving it year to year. Um, but de-emphasizing it in the near term in favor of other metrics, uh, like other skills. Like if you are, like if you hit a hill early in the race when you are nice and fresh and you put out a max effort and you get dropped. Okay, now we have something else to work on. <laughs> um, there's no fatigue <laughs> yeah. in your legs. You need more, you need more punch, you need more snap. Great, let's get you that. Yeah, uh, but I think, I think certainly for a lot of people it's like, their their reaction is like I got dropped, therefore I need more FTP, which isn't isn't a bad conclusion. Like, but if you get you have to analyze exactly why you got dropped, as you just said. Like, did you get dropped because you were sitting in the pack and then all of a sudden blew up because you couldn't hold it, or did you get dropped in a part where you definitely had to go over FTP? You know, just because you got dropped doesn't necessarily mean that it's FTP, even yeah. though that seems like the first conclusion. Well, it's sort of like in a cyclocross start or a, a cross country start. When you, you know, your sprints right at the beginning of the race and making up position is super important, right? And so if you can make up 10 to 20 spots early with a good start, that's for, that's fantastic, but you've got to be able to aerobically hold it. And I could always do that in cyclocross. I could like, I could take a bunch of spots if I got a clear line and could pick my way through traffic. But then I had a problem hanging on for the rest of the race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like hemorrhage spots. Um, I had, I had like, I had like one good season of cyclocross racing and then I, um, I did not have a good season like that again. Um, but anyway, so, you know, these are the kinds of things that can tell you what you need to train and, you know, whether your FTP is a limiter in the short term or whatever. And so, cause you know, you, one of my clients actually right now um, just had a really, really good finish at a big race and probably their best finish at a big race so far. And, uh, you know, looking at the power profile when we started just a couple months ago, a lot of good sprint power, a lot of great one minute power, a lot of like big, massive watts, massive watts per kilo. I'm like, man, there's a lot of power looking at the race results. 
Okay, no race results. <laughs> no results. <laughs> Bottom 25 to 50%. Okay. And so it's mostly been, you know, I think we've done like maybe two or three kind of more race-specific efforts over the course of the last, you know, what two months or something like that, three months. But it's mostly been threshold, sweet spot, and endurance training. And that has led to a huge improvement in in the results. And so this is one of those things where, um, you know, it was pretty obvious what to emphasize going in. Um, but for a lot of people, it can be difficult because a lot of people, you know, if you take the average cyclist, they're going to be an all-rounder, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not super well-trained, right? Like uh, there are those websites that tell you whether, you know, you're an all-rounder or, or a sprinter or a time trialist or whatever. And yeah, lots of people take their data, throw it into one of these free things and analyze it. And like a lot of times, especially if you're just getting back into training, you're brand new, it says all-rounder because it's true. Like you, you, you neither have had enough time to really tap out what you can do genetically, nor have you done enough training to like figure out even what you're necessarily good at. Right. Yeah. You just, yeah, no, it, but, it, it, but there's nothing wrong time. with that. Right. No. <laughs> no, there's nothing. nothing wrong with that. Like that's actually good. Like you can do lots of stuff. Like there are a lot of different disciplines in cycling and so that, you know, don't early on, you shouldn't pigeonhole yourself into like, Oh, I'm just going to be a sprinter. Oh, I'm just going to be a, a climber or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, and the number of clients that we get who are kind of new, uh, is, um, you know, we actually take quite a few on and one of the more common questions, you know, I'd say probably 30% of people ask something like this is like, what do you think I'm good at? And my answer is, what do you think you're good at? And, and, you know, whether or not physiologically you're good at that, it still gives us a insight into what you like, you know, mm. like if, if you are not comfortable rubbing elbows at 35 miles an hour, you're probably not going to be a bunch sprinter, even if you have a good sprint. And so now we've got to figure out another way to make you win. Right. And so when it comes to, you know, what you're good at and all this kind of stuff, like there's a big, you know, motivational component to it. Um, I think we've probably touched on this in the podcast before. So um, why don't we move on to something else, which is I think a lot of people, when they think about training FTP, are looking at making up for low volume. And this is another way I think FTP gets overemphasized. Because, Mm -hmm. okay, I've only got six hours a week. Um, Bless your hearts, (laughs) six hours a week. I've only got eight hours a week. I've got 10, 12 hours a week. Um, You know, there's only so much threshold work or VO2max work or HIT work that you can throw in to make up for low volume, right? Because on paper, it's supposed to be the same stimulus, isn't it? Same with an asterisk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's like, what was that? Uh, uh, God, it was like in the late twenty, late twenties, mid late twenties. Wattstocks, um, why HIT training may not make you faster. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we looked at the mechanism of why it makes people faster a lot of the time. And the reason why from the study that we quoted was that it causes reanodyne receptor fragmentation. And reanodyne receptor is a protein in the sarcoplasmic reticulum. And when you do high intensity interval training, it actually leaks calcium into the cell. And elevated presence of calcium is one of many signals that induces aerobic adaptation. And so you get a, you know, like one to two day sustained level of muscular calcium after HIT training when you are brand new. The well-trained cyclists that did this stuff, no fragmentation. They got no calcium leak. They've got to do it the old fashioned way of just riding a lot. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Sorry, all of you aspiring pros. <laughs> You're just going to have to ride a lot. Yeah. There are, there's, I was going to say, there, there are no shortcuts. Um, yeah. Well, Darn. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's, 
even a deeper component to this too. Um, and I think part of it comes down to, and I think we've probably touched on this before too. So, um, is that I think a lot of people who consider training, consider what training worked for them. And I've, I got to find this paper because I saw a paper forever ago about like your VO2 max untrained. This paper just looking at, they just tested a bunch of people. What's your untrained VO2 max? And for a lot of people, you know, between like, it was like 25 to 40 or something like that. So kind of, you know, normal. There were a couple people who were in the 60 to 70 range. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Those those fuckers. No. Right? And so, and and here's the other thing with this is that if you respond really well to a certain type of training, that does not necessarily mean somebody else will respond like that. I actually got a really good question on this in the, on the uh, Instagram AMA is like, do some people respond better to intensity? Do some people respond better to volume? The answer is yes, of course. But it's a little bit individual and there are a thousand other things that go along with it. Like if you do a lot of endurance training and you don't do much intensity, suddenly intensity training is a new stimulus. Oh my God, you're doing extensive threshold. You're doing VO2 max. You're doing anaerobic capacity stuff. Sure, you're going to get a giant boost all of a sudden. Uh, But I think it also should be noted, if you've already got a massive VO2 max, it probably doesn't take much work to improve it. And if you're a genetic freak who responds super well to all aerobic stimulus, (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) Good for you. Call me. Let's work together. But also, (laughs) (laughs) but also, um, you know, you can't think about um, you can't think about yourself as being like an average person um, because you are obviously you know far beyond average. Um, And when you work with a lot of average people, uh, you know, you've got to kind of take it from the average person's point of view and what's going to work best for them, which is a very observational type of way to go about it rather than an experiential way to go about it. If that, if that kind of makes any sense. Yes. I, I think perhaps maybe people haven't thought about it that much or th- I mean, I think as an athlete, you have a much different perspective than you do as a coach who's, who's seen a lot of athletes do lots of things. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's an interesting perspective versus you being really focused in on like what you've done per I, you in the personal sense, not you, specific, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think also, um, I've just got a couple more points here. Uh, <laughs> so, um, cause you know, the more I think about this, the more I think of um, FTP, you know, we've kind of touched on this, FTP getting a bad rap for, you know, not being easy to define, um, overemphasized <laughs> because, you know, low volume, et cetera, et cetera. But I also think FTP gets a bad rap because um, it's, you know, because it's such a default, because it's so easy to do, um, but because people can be so bad at finding out what their FTP is, FTP training can be really, really difficult for some people for one of two reasons. Either they've got a good number and they do way too much of it, or they've got a bad number and they're doing any of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's if- interesting. Like, you, you bring up a good point. Like, if you, maybe if you do have a really good FTP, and maybe this is you, you're so terrified that not doing more FTP training means it's going to go down. And you're like, ah, I put in all this work. I finally see a, I don't know, a four or a three or whatever at the fir- as the first digit of my FTP. Therefore, I can't stop doing all this work. It will like just disappear overnight. You know, like you're, you're so worried <laughs> about oh, yeah. these gains, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're touching on an interesting thing, which is that when people start to fatigue and they need to rest and they see their performance is going down, a lot of them double down on, I got to train harder. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that makes sense. That, like, I think that we talk about this a lot, but the idea that, like, rest is good, you can give yourself rest. Like, you are allowed to take take an easy week. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself that permission. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, making sure that you give yourself dedicated rest days, but... Um, 
but also making sure that the basics are covered. Do you have a good number for your FTP? Is it overestimated? Um, are you doing too many days a week? Are you doing four days a week, five days a week, six or seven? I don't think anybody's doing seven, I hope. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things about good threshold training is that you've got to make sure that you are progressing when it needs to progress. And when it stops, you rest. It's It really is that simple. And uh, I've consulted with a lot of people about this kind of stuff. And I tell them, trust your legs and trust your RPE. And sometimes you have to trust your heart rate. Like if your heart rate won't rise at threshold and you're kind of feeling sluggish or your heart rate just like goes right to max at, in like five, 10 minutes, like, and you're feeling, wow, this is really hard. Um, you know, these are clues that you are overreached and you are probably going to find a good bounce back when you rest. And I, I don't even tell people how long to rest. I tell them, you tell you how long to rest. <laughs> <laughs> like, Take a week easy, do some, do some riding on the weekend uh, for your rest week that's fun, and see how your legs feel. Just see. Because yeah. at, at best, they're going to feel great, and maybe you go do a group ride or you take a KOM, QOM, whatever. That's awesome, good for you. You're probably ready to go. Um, if your legs still feel sluggish and kind of slow, there's no harm in extending the rest. Like You're not going to lose it um, you know, until you get to the point where you are training all the time. You your massive training load is like you know a thousand CTL. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be like <laughs> 100, 140 to one hundred sixty CTL, and you're sustaining this. And like then the question becomes, how long can you sustain this load, and how big a bounce back do you get when you rest, and how long do you need to rest? Don't know. These are good questions. It's different for everybody, obviously. Anyway, um, so um, are we getting the point across with? Um, you know, uh, bad FTP training modalities, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or just knowing, yeah, or a big thing here, like you just said, is knowing when to pull it back, knowing when to to not double down, even though it seems like the the American work ethos is <laughs> just work harder. <laughs> uh, but being being honest with yourself, and I think it takes that takes that takes a lot of. I won't say practice, because it, but but it is a skill to say to stop yourself. And be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute! Like, I felt terrible Tuesday because, and I I didn't eat that well on Tuesday. And I didn't get that much sleep, so I just chalked up to that. But now it's Thursday, and I still don't feel good. And I, you know, got more sleep and ate a little bit more, and and got you know. Now is it time for me to look at should I keep trying to to hammer through this FTP block or not? Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it like we've said before too, like hopefully it doesn't take you like straight up failing a workout <laughs> to figure this out, but sometimes it might. And, and honestly, it, it better to learn that way than to never learn ever. <laughs> Just keep <laughs> digging this hole. Yeah, for real. But, and well, I think also if you, ca if you do enough of this, I think it gets really discouraging to do it for a while and like see no improvements or see yourself going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe two people have a, have don't understand or are not familiar with how quickly you should be able to see improvements with training. Like I think like, Oh, people train to be cyclists for years and years and years. So it's going to take me 10 years of training to see FTP increases or something like that. And you're like, yeah, by like 10 watts or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I think, Oh, every year I'll just get like 1% better. You're like, well, I hope it's more than that. You know, like, like, you know, it, that's one thing if you're a pro and you're tapped out and it takes you years and years and years to get 1% better. But for, for the vast majority of us, it should not be that. And so, um, yeah, redoubling your efforts can be good, but not always good. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think when it comes to balance of like threshold training and other types of training, um, like FTP and endurance and like VO2 max, like they can go together really well. Like endurance training goes with everything really well, like <laughs> VO2 max training, strength training, uh, you know, anaerobic efforts type thing. Like, you know, you can go out and do some one minute hills and then do a four hour endurance ride after that. Like there's nothing stopping you. Um, and it's still good training. Uh, you could, 
you could do it. You could switch it up. You could, it's it's good training. Um, but I think um, I think a lot of the time, especially in the near term, looking at your goals of I have to be in good shape to race here. What am I good at? What do I suck at? Like this is a a good honest evaluation. And also, how how long is it going to take to improve what I'm trying to improve? And this is something yeah. that I do as a coach all the time is I look at the t- our timeline. Where's this person at? What do they need? And this goal race. And I think this is going to take this long to improve. And I'll, I'll put in training peaks as, as like little markers for myself. Start this type of training here. And oftentimes, especially when you're like getting race ready and you're doing anaerobic type efforts, a lot of the time the aerobic stuff uh, will, it'll have a little bounce back. Like it'll, there'll be a little bit of improvement, but overall it starts to be more maintenance stuff. And sometimes, but not always, well, well, more often than not, a lot of the time when you, as you like rest and you get closer to your race day and you start to rest and you start to taper, a lot of the time we see all anaerobic metrics coming up as we might, but we also see all aerobic metrics coming up too. You know, we see people setting up like, you know, good 20 minute powers, 30, 60 minute power, like endurance efforts, like going to a gravel race and, you know, hanging on to, you know, a huge percentage of your FTP for six, seven, eight hours, 10 hours. Like this is also a good sign of improvements. And so, um, and so one of the things about kind of trusting the process is having good data for yourself before when you've tried stuff. And because um, I think I think overemphasis on threshold comes from thinking it's going to solve all your problems. And I, I not, <laughs> yeah. which is, of course, none of this is to say that, you know, you, the listener, are guilty of all these things. This is like, I, if, if this sounds familiar, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this helps. Yeah. I mean, for some people, FTP could, more FTP could solve all your problems, but it does not mean that for everyone who will always solve all their problems. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kyle, if my FTP were 450 watts, would that solve all of my problems? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of problems are you talking about? (laughs) I need to sprint really hard for about 45 seconds. Is that going to solve my problem? Is it at the end of a crit? Because... (laughs) Ah, it depends, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I think just thinking about the fatigue that you're carrying with threshold and balancing with everything else and, you know, all that kind of figuring out what do I need to periodize and when. Um, actually, my last WKO5 webinar was a uh, kind of, um, this was the basis for the WKO5 metrics that I developed that I was showing off. Uh, showing off. That sounds bad. Um, that I was demonstrating, let's say. Um, and so I think if you want to go watch that, that is a good practical way to look at, um, you know, the, the ways that I've approached that kind of stuff and the tools that I use when it comes to general aerobic stress and general anaerobic stress um, and kind of how I think about balancing the two and periodizing them as well. So yeah. anyway, um, so where are we at with, uh, with this whole episode? Well, I would say that two things. One is that we've said it before. We'll say it again. FTP is <laughs> often necessary, but not sufficient for good race performance. And it gets a lot of emphasis, but it is not the be all end all of training and, while it, it might help you and, and doing more FTP feels like a natural thing to include in a lot of the people who are, who are programming their own training, like be aware of the limitations of, I don't know, I would say putting all of your eggs in the FTP basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, cause here's a thought that I just had, um, which is that, you know, uh, how many posts have, have we seen recently about people who are going to like do strength training three times a week and threshold training three times a week too? Oh God. Yeah. It's it, it, two, at least in the last two or three weeks, three, um, too many. It, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, cause 
because I, I just keep thinking about the fatigue aspect of it. Um, you know, it, it can take a little longer to recover from your efforts than you expect. And this is probably one of the last two points to think about, which is the recovery, um, which we've kind of already touched on, but let's make it explicit. Uh, it can take, you know, it could take 24 hours to recover from a threshold workout, or it could take 72 hours or even a little longer. Depends on how hard you go. Like, like if you're doing a set of like sweet spot over unders or something like that, which I count as a threshold workout. Um, and it, and you get to like 90 minutes or 120 or 180. Um, first of all, holy shit. (laughs) Second of all, you are definitely going to need some quality rest after that. Um, yeah. And it may be, maybe people kind of don't think about it this way, but something to think about when you're doing general cycling workouts is that your legs are the biggest muscles in your body, especially if you're a cyclist, because you don't have like huge lats or something like that. Um, so even if you think like, oh, you've gotten, you've grown accustomed to being able to go out and slam, you know, four or five, six hour workouts, things like that. Like you're, you are using a significant fraction of your muscle mass within your body. Like you are, it is a, it's, it is not a small amount of stress and it's not like, yes, you train and yes, you through training, your ability to recover gets better, but there is that ceiling to the amount that you can recover in just in a fixed amount of time, right? Like Mm -hmm. you won't, you won't triple your recovery, you know, like, (laughs) or something just because you happen to be quite fit. Like it, it, it is another genetic component as well that, that, you know, we don't exactly understand why people, you know, some people's recovery ceilings are better than others. And, and so that's something else to consider too. And, and not think, oh, your buddy can recover from this workout in 24 hours. Therefore you must be able to as well. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a real thing. I mean, the number of people I talk to who ask me about what their friend is doing, I'm like, oh, I don't care. We don't care about what your friend's doing. What are you doing? Like what is, what is individual to you? What makes you unique? Um, and this aspect of recovery is huge. Cause like, you know, especially when we're thinking about the world's best, uh, if we think about people who ride a lot, um, and where that's one of the main, uh, sources of their fitness along with, you know, a couple occasional intervals and smatterings of this and that, um, you know, then it becomes a question of like, okay, how much training can you recover from? Overall, you know, people who have a ton of time to train, this is a question they struggle with. Um, if I can ride more, should I, shouldn't I, um, you know, and if I'm riding more then you know, don't people overtrain on a lot of volume that that's another one we could, we could probably do a podcast on. Um, the answer is no, uh, but also the answer is yes. Um, and so when it comes to that kind of stuff, if you can recover faster, you can get faster, but you're, you're, you know, for the best in the world, if you're riding a ton, your stimulus is maximized. Right. And the question is like, as you recover, are you losing some of those, some of the stimulus just a little bit? Right. And can you recover just enough in time that you can keep training more and get more stimulus? A lot of people at the top are on that limit. A lot of people in the middle, mm, yeah, not on that limit, but the recovery is still a huge component. And this is where, especially, I think it's more uh, under recovery than overtraining per se, if that makes sense. It might not actually. Kyle, help. Yeah, I, I mean, so certainly for for people who are not pros, right? Like the you're you're not maxed out. You're not training twenty five hours a week or whatever. So so. Like that, that contributes to the fact that the pro like pros have, have sort of maxed out the amount of recovery they can do. And that's why they do drugs. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, for, for people, you know, there are these other factors to consider and, and, but similar things still apply in terms of like figuring out what you can recover from, figuring out, you know, are you maxed out for your, your lifestyle and, and what, what the other things that you have to do. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and, picking your head up once in a while and not just burying yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I think, 
especially when you're doing, you're trying to maximize your training time with threshold work. Um, you know, it, it's the recovery is a huge question. And I, I guess, I guess after thinking about it now a little deeper, um, cause everybody listening knows that we don't really prep for the 10 minute tips podcasts. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> We spend 10 minutes on it. That's why they're called 10-minute tips. And I will keep repeating that until <laughs> until I get get enough feedback that people understand. Drink, why. drink. Everyone drink. playing the, um, the drinking game, drink. Uh, so, shit, where were we? Um, oh, yeah. So when you're when you're doing low volume stuff, looking at the the training and the recovery, like, you know, you are also kind of recovery limited in a way because when you're doing more endurance riding, you actually recover a little bit faster. And especially when you've done a lot of endurance riding over a lot of years, you can recover really fast. Um, and of course this, you know, you've got to be low stress. You got to be sleeping well, you've got to be eating well and all the other stuff have to be going right. But if they are going right, um, you know, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing six hours a week and you're doing threshold work for, you know, almost all of it, like you, if three of those six hours is like you're riding at threshold, um, it's probably going to be harder for you to recover than if you're doing like 12 hours a week and still doing three hours of threshold. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I just thought of it. So I hope I explained it sufficiently and it will get more concise (laughs) as we repeat it on the podcast in the future. Sorry about that folks. Um, I think the last, thing to think about is something that happens when you are actually at your genetic max. And this is the teeter totter between VO2 max and FTP. Um, and that's, if you train your VO2 max, you will increase your VO2 max, but your TTE goes down. Your threshold is probably not going to go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, this is, this is one of those things of like, what do you need in your races, right? Like if you're going to go, um, you know, if you're going to go do Perry Roubaix or Flanders or whatever, like what is going to give you better fitness? Do you need more TTE? Do you need more metabolic endurance or do you need more high end punch? And do you need a little bit of both? Like, or are you going to go race on the track? I would say you probably want some more VO2 max on the track right? Because your races aren't like five hours long. They might be yeah. 20 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, anyway, so the, so the teeter-totter becomes something where whatever you are emphasizing is where you see the, the response. And then if you pull back on that thing and you focus on the other thing, you kind of lose the thing that you pulled back on. And that's really only something that happens when you are at this level. Because for the average person, if you maintain your volume and you recover well, most people are going to maintain their fitness, especially if you're over, let's say like eight to 10 hours a week, I would just ballparking. Don't quote me. I know people will, but ballparking here. So if you're riding 12 hours a week, for instance, and you do endurance riding and you do a little bit of FTP work, probably you're going to be maintaining it. Are you going to be improving it? Maybe not, but it doesn't take much to maintain once you've got this really well-worn path. Like, like Kyle, like you in strength training, like I bet I could take you out of the gym for six months and throw you back in. And within about a month, you're going to be right back to where you were. Yeah. I was, I had, I, you know, I had COVID for a little bit and then I was, I was traveling at work stuff and like, I was, I was out of the gym for seriously out of the gym for, you know, several weeks. And then, you know, I just did it couple times here and there and I was surprised like this past week it's only been like a week back and yeah I was like kind of right back in it like wow I even surprised myself there so <laughs> you surprised me um well because I was just thinking you know who this happened to is Matthew Vanderpool mm-hmm. he was out with his back injury took a lot of time off and then it took him like a month and a half to get to some really amazing fitness uh, I did an Instagram story that, on it, or uh, Instagram post on it, by the way, if you want to check that out. That but, jerk. What a jerk. Right? I know. Yeah. Just <laughs> has you no respect for the average? <laughs> Clearly not. Um, I mean, the guy's amazing, obviously. 
And, you know, he's, he's at the level where he can be out of it for a while and get back to it and be right back to where he was and probably better because he's nice and fresh. He, even when you're injured and you're, you spend that energy healing your injury, you know, you are still going to come back with pretty fresh legs. You know, it's like how many people listening have had a cold, taken some time off the bike and then a couple rides back in, they're like, Oh my God, my legs are amazing right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the forced rest is sometimes a blessing in disguise. Even you think, Oh man, yeah, no, it's unreal. But alas, a week a week or two will not <laughs> ruin all of your hard work. No, it's unreal. Um, all right, so anyway, so FTP, is it overemphasized? Is it underemphasized? Like when, like let's go with our premise, when is more FTP training a bad thing? Let's try to summarize this. Yeah. Well, certainly when you're super tired and if you've, if you take a step back and you realize that you've, only done FTP training for the last, I don't know, four, three, four, five N months where you're like, oh, may- maybe, maybe more FTP isn't what you need. You should probably re-examine what your goals are and what you're trying to get done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it is more FTP and then, or examine your most recent race result. And is, does it seem like FTP was the limiter in you, you know, getting that podium, getting that top 10, like what, whatever you're, what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially if your limiter does not seem to be endurance based and you're still hammering the FTP home. Okay, cool. Yeah. Maybe it's a little too much. Um, so when is FTP underemphasized? Do you think? Well, I think it's it's a little cliche at this point to be like, well, if for crits, people seem to be underemphasizing FTP. But <laughs> um, I would say for for people who are, you know, there there may be like we mentioned this previously for maybe for those people whose ethos is well, I'm not a, a time trialist. Why do I need FTP? You know, like well, okay. Um, and, and I would say for for people who are perhaps. Who, who have who've done like I don't I know I don't want to we've talked about like polarized or these other things where maybe they they just ha- you literally have not done work in that sort of sweet spot FTP zone for a really long time then maybe it's time to go revisual revisit that that zone of training yeah even if it's just like for a maintenance touch up like I have a lot of people do a little bit of like sweet spot workout and you know kind of do an RPE check of their threshold in season. Uh, even though in season, especially if you're racing a ton, there's really no point in doing like super hard workouts in the threshold domain as, cause you know, if your volume is the same, like we just, like we just mentioned, like you're probably going to be maintaining it just fine. Um, and you know, given the opportunity to have a hard day of training or two, a lot of the time it's going to be more race specific or more limiter specific. Uh, is the way I like to approach it. Um, or especially if you're going well and there's, you know, and you are, <laughs> if everything's going well and you're making it to the end of your races and everything's going fine, play to your strengths. You know, <laughs> like if you're a sprinter, go out and, you know, do a couple more sprints. See if you can add a couple more watts on that. Or if you are a time trialist, go out and do a threshold workout. See if you can extend your TTE a little more, you know? Um, like, Man, I'll I'll talk to Corey about this on the podcast uh, probably in a little bit, but he just had a monster threshold workout. <laughs> He's been doing a lot of time trials. One got moved, and uh, yeah, Whew, boy. Anyway, um, big watts on that one. Um, so, um, yeah. So FTP, while it is the metric while it is like the number one thing associated with a high level of endurance performance it's not the only thing necessary but not sufficient um and so i i'm sure this was a refresher for a lot of people listening uh but if it wasn't well i i hope it was informative uh and i hope that there are some things that you can take away from this that you can use to improve your own training and i'm sorry there are no simple answers um I wish there were like train your FTP this many times a week for this long and then switch to this. And 
Um, and then you win. No. And then you win. Then you win everything. Because cycling is a sport about winning. Um, well, maybe for like, I don't know, Kendall Ryan seems to do a lot of winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think we can wrap it up here. Uh, we've had, uh, it's probably a short episode for us, but I think that's going to be fine for some folks. Um, thank you everybody for listening as always. Uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast, five-star iTunes ratings or wherever you listen to podcasts goes a long way. Thank you so much. And share the podcast, of course, as always. Uh, if you want to donate to the show, we are ad-free empiricalcycling.com slash donate and we've got the show notes up on the website empiricalcycling.com we have no show notes for today sorry about that um, if you have any coaching uh, uh, inquiries consultation inquiries please shoot me an email directly empiricalcycling at gmail.com and of course if you have any questions or comments you can also email me or DM me on the Instagram at empiricalcycling we can AMAs up in the stories give me a follow ask a question don't uh, check out the uh, profile reviews I'm doing up on Instagram uh, it's a good chance to do some writing. I'm having a lot of fun with that. So um, check us out there and we will see you next time. And we've got a couple of great interviews coming up. So watch it on the, uh, on the social media and watch the podcast stream for all that stuff. So thanks everybody. See ya. <laughs>